0: say to the say Say hello to the bad guy Tax season We in here today Yo man, I didn't do ass tax the last couple episodes I didn't do no news I just been wilding No format you know what I mean cuz sometimes you just got to do that type of shit you know what I mean you change your alcohol up and then you just you just go into everything and just start doing whatever the fuck you want to do you know what I mean let me explain something to y'all um um you know I juice I juice heavy I love juices you know what I mean I love my kale my spinach my ginger my lemon my beets you know what I mean um my flax seeds, you know things of that nature. And I I didn't buy no vegetables for 4 days and I was eating a whole bunch of bullshit. And then I started juicing again um yesterday and I was on the toilet for hours, man. For so many hours, man, cuz I had to get that bullshit out of my body. And I say that to say this, man. Don't be cheating on juicing, man. You right? You keep motherfucking juicing, you hear me? <laughs> Yo, right now we got Kenneth Montgomery with us today on tax season, Esquire.
1: Thank you for having me, man. The gentleman. Thank you. A
0: lawyer. A black lawyer. A black strong lawyer. <laughs> a good one. <laughs>
1: a lot of people say that. A sometime. good lawyer.
0: You've done some good, some good things out I, here.
1: I, I'm just doing my best, tax. I'm it, doing my best. We, we,
0: we happy to have you. I'm a fighter. We, we need fighters out there.
1: We do. We absolutely do. Not not everybody think uh, black lawyers ice get cold though. That's mm. something I, I peeped for a very long time ago in my career. Yeah. But I happen to meet some of the best ones out there, like best lawyers. Period. People like Anthony Rico, R.I.P. Ed Wilford. You got guys out there, Gary Villanueva, Greg Watts, Pat Watts, Xavier Donaldson. Is is some incredible attorneys. Rich Rich Jasper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an incredible. It's a for a black man to survive in America and go to law school and become a formidable attorney is an incredible ride. Mm. You see things that you want the rest of your community to see, but it's it's a lot, and and it takes some time to educate them to really what's going on. I'm yeah. fortunate in that way.
0: You grew up in Brooklyn.
1: Absolutely. How
0: Absolutely. was that?
1: It's, it was maddening. It was crazy. Um, I'm 43 years of age, um, born in '72. Like I remember how everybody came outside after the riots in '77 and was selling umbrellas and TVs and 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 uh, on on the doorsteps of the brownstones. Like growing up in Brownsville, where it was an air of lawlessness in the Brownsville and East New York, and you had to navigate that. Yeah, and and get to. High school, well, you know I went to two seventy one I went to p s three twenty seven on pickett in Bristol I went to mm. one thirty seven I went to Martin luther King high School in manhattan and and uh it was an incredible time.
0: What made you get in the law
1: real talk um growing up, I read a lot and i had i had my my mom was too busy working and fighting my dad at the same time. I had an aunt. Who exposed me to a lot, and she was married to um, an asshole, but he showed <laughs> me a lot. You yeah. know, he he showed me a lot. He had a, he had a lot of files, things in his files about black nationalism. And I remember I was in third grade, and he gave me Martin Luther. Uh, he gave me um, Malcolm X autobiography, and I read it, and I was appalled that Malcolm. They told him he couldn't be an attorney, and when I read it. Just from going to school and some of the things that I saw, I came up with the with the assumption that you know a black lawyer, you'll at least understand what this is about, the core of what this is about, and that's what motivated me to be a, a, a an attorney. I wanted to be a trial attorney. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to sit in the desk and do doc review and work at some firm. I wanted to get into the courtroom mm-hmm. and and to create my own narrative, and and that's what made me do it. Like I was appalled that. The system thought that black people were stupid mm. it bothered me like I it, it created a chip on my shoulder yeah and that's that's what motivated me I
0: read right. I went through your Instagram I was looking at a lot of posts in <laughs> your Instagram and I was like yo <laughs> I was like yo oh
1: uh, I'm yeah. feeling kidding Montgomery yo yo it's it's wild that you say that tax because at the same time you don't you do you get any flack from um, your thoughts from nah you know what yeah, I'm gonna tell you. I, I'm gonna be very honest. I, I am very fortunate. Like I, you gotta understand. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I grew up and survived Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Got to Hampton University, survived that. Ended up with being on federal probation. Um, getting scholarships to top law schools in the country. Um, ended up at Fordham Law. Ended up first year of law school going to Eastern District. Uh, probation while my my cousin and PNCs Tech and Steel I'm hooking up with them mm-hmm. while they while they recording the shining and I ended up getting accepted into uh, Brooklyn District Attorney's office mm-hmm. Manhattan wanted me as well mm-hmm. and um you know that journey of going through all of that it has uh you know it it it, it give it, it gave me a lot of perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to um, relay over to the clients that I represent or the people I run, in, run into. The perspective that I've had from B, be- I don't think many people have gone through the channels I've gone through and been able to say they represent people charged with the federal death penalty statute. They represent people charged with murder. They uh, negotiated deals in the industry um, and they walked people out of that courtroom. And they mm-hmm. represent families who, uh, family members have been killed by police. And I think that gives me a unique perspective. Um, and I'm not one of those people who say, you know, I'm not a religious guy. Yo, God put, you know, you got dudes who will put God into anything. Mm-hmm. I ain't one of those guys. Yeah. But my perspective, I think, is valuable for this black experience and journey. But I'm also aware that motherfuckers don't care about what I have to say a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm cool with that. So you know, it's it's just a weird perspective, and I I'm trying to give that perspective because you know. What is your
0: Instagram?
1: Um, KJM PLLC. KJM PLLC.
0: PLLC. Yeah, that's yeah. my firm. Yeah, that's um Kenneth Montgomery's um Instagram. Go through there, check it. He drop a lot of knowledge. And, and I, I'm not trying
1: that. to front, man. We, we Black men, we, we, at one point, you know, we, we forgot our purpose here. Like, we cool with lying and bullshitting and mm-hmm. saying things that don't matter. And, and um, at some point, I, I, I got to give some context of what's going on. Things are happening in those courtrooms that our people have no idea how to deal they have no idea tax the federal system. They have no idea what it's about. Mm-hmm. The state system. They have no idea.
0: Do you feel that the judicial system is like is a is a is basically a a, a new form of slavery? Do
1: Absolutely. You... It, it, it's um it's a vehicle to slavery. Um, you got to think. In this country, you know, and I'll be very frank, uh, you know, I don't, not to offend anyone, we can talk fact, but America was always a white nationalistic experiment. Mm-hmm. If you do the history of black people, you do the history of Africa, you do the history of Europe, you do the history of white people, you do the history of America, it was founded as a white nationalistic experiment. Um, black people were the cogs of uh, industrialism and capitalism in this country. Mm-hmm. And when we got here, uh, we were used as such. We were property. Um, one of the most surreal experiences ever in my life is being in law school and literally debating my humanity with my classmates about in constitutional law about being three-fifths of a person. And this system, this Anglo-Saxon system, this American Jewish, white Anglo-Saxon jurisprudence was based upon excluding us at every level. And when... The laws were made. It excluded us when they changed the laws. Even you got to think there's there's such things as Jim Crow, de facto segregation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been blackballed out of we right down here on Wall Street tomorrow morning. If we were flies on a wall and we went up on the top floor of all these Fortune 500, McGraw Hill, all these financial institutions, there's no one uh, who we would feel represent the people where we came from we're we're, we're not here we've pretty much been blackballed out of where the money is at Mm -hmm. and you know when you look at the legal system the legal system was the sergeant at arms to make sure the status quo remained the same and it's still doing that yeah you feel that they make laws for black people Like
0: if there's a certain thing like, you know, like let's say crack, for instance, the Mm -hmm. way people were getting way more time for crack than they would get for cocaine, a drug that was used more in the white community.
1: Categorically and unequivocally, without a doubt, when you look at you got to look at um, when people to understand how these laws originated, the Federal Sentencing Commission, the people who get together and decide uh, the death penalty, the sentencing guidelines, the crack cocaine problem. the the sentencing guidelines, all those people go to the same Ivy League schools. They hang out, they vacation together. They do all the things that they think are good for their social and, and their, their culture. Mm -hmm. They all have the same way of thinking. All those people created that. Listen, how can you create something that's more punishment for you to have crack cocaine What you gotta got? What you gotta have?
0: (laughs) Gotta have some coke. Gotta have some
1: cocaine. So (laughs) logically speaking, if Coke you you can't have crack without Coke, how could you come up with an idea to say those who have crack should be punished more? A hundred to one more. To this day, even in post-racial, you got your symbolic black president, your symbolic uh, black uh, uh, Eric um, Holder. Mm -hmm. Um, You have you have these guys and it's still not one to one. It's still a different ratio. And that was made for us. I think deep down in American society, um, white people have a fear of black people, for whatever that fear originates from. You can go through and read the history books and what's been going on. But as a result of that, we've had these communities that have been created out of fear because they wanted to be away from us. But they were intrigued by us too because mm-hmm. they didn't want to live next to us, but they damn sure come down and bring their woman to the cotton club. And check how we move. I always said I'm like
0: somebody had to be tr- extremely afraid of something, yeah, for them to want to just keep this demographic or this group of people away from everything. 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 You know what I mean? Like, everything. Let's keep them unknowledgeable. Let's let's undereducate
1: them. Let's create laws to keep them in prison, like to the point where we, you know, we. I feel like me and you both are products. I'm I'm a little I'm older than you. I think 43. Um, I grew up on black music, and I really grew up on hip hop. Mm-hmm. You look at hip hop; it's um, it's like the it's almost like the drug game where you have the white guys who have all the distribution channels, mm-hmm. and you got these guys who may represent us selling whatever our culture may be, and a lot of them are selling stuff that they don't even participate or partake in themselves, but they're doing it because it's a check. It's a check. So it's like, and our kids, you know, they're telling our kids to pop them zannies and do this and do that and and bust this and do that. And they send their kids to um, private school Mm -hmm. with the heads of Goldman and all this other stuff. So our culture, even, we've been dehumanized to the point where they sell our culture and we can't say they because we got cats on our on and from our community who with it because yeah. they're like yo I'm a capitalist man we gotta get somebody gotta do it how many times you heard that you know growing up mm-hmm. with the hustling somebody's like yo I, well if they don't somebody gonna do it yep. and and that's where we at. If I don't sell his mama crack. Somebody, somebody don't gonna sell, sell it. his mama crack. Yeah, and I and I got I done seen homeboys mm-hmm. fall out and kill each other because somebody sold crack to somebody moms or somebody moms did a sexual favor for drugs for somebody yeah. for that drug and communities have been fractured forever because of that yeah and we caught up in that
0: i always say that shit man i'd be like what, what, what was the crack era for you how did you feel about the crack era when the crack era oh hit?
1: man that that's how did it, that affect you it It affected me in a lot of ways because real talk i i grew up with cats um my, my people's from brownsville in East New York. I and I can name a bunch of people. Mike Rohn, Zill, afu Ra, uh, OC, um from Plaza's, Fee, Feli and and, and TK mm-hmm. and, and Slick and, and um, you know, a, a, a lot of different people that went from being brilliant kids to you had to determine if you was gonna be predator or prey. Mm. Nobody wanna be prey. Yeah. And you had cats who seen, you know, they go from seeing their parents suffering, or a single mom suffering, or a dad suffering, to cats going out on the block and get an eight ball and walking around in the hot sun in uh, East New York with vials in their their cheeks. To like, yo, I can make money, and it, it ain't just stop there. Cause I went, my mother, she was like, yo, you gotta get out of here. Your friends are getting shot, going to jail. You gotta go to school. And I always had school in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, only reason I went to Hampton University is because I ain't come from a rich family and we paid that fee <laughs> $9, $924. And my mother was like, yo, if you don't like it, then mm-hmm. your ass to transfer later, but you go in here and mm-hmm. you're getting out of New York. And uh, I went to Hampton. I, and as soon as I got, I paid that fee, I got Howard acceptance. But then as I thought about it, I grew up around wild dudes, wild stuff. I don't know if Howard would have been the best fit for me at 18. Yeah, I went to Hampton, the home by the sea, which was a trick because it sounded good. But when you got the bad, Hampton is right in between Newport, Newport News, News. <laughs> and Portsmouth and Norfolk. And mm-hmm. it was a wrap because my mother sent me to get away, but I went down there to get away from the dying and the shooting and the killing up here. All my friends, the majority of them, except for Ice Pig J, who went to Martin Luther King with me, and Mike Rome, we were the only ones who who graduated on time. Ran, Zill, Oss, the rest of the crew, Siz, uh, Psych, everybody. Did G T G D time still my cousin from Smith and Wesson? G like everybody else said, yo, man, I ain't going to school no more. Mm-hmm. I'm out, and I got down to Hampton, and all the people who my mother was trying to or the the environment she was trying to steer me away from. I got to Hampton, and cats was selling crack for twenty instead of ten down there, mm-hmm. and it was even wilder, and it was like wow, you know, I grew up. And I, I grew up, survived, got to Hampton, and Katz was dying, getting shot, getting locked up, going to jail, you know. The the young lady, uh, Kimba Wood, I, Kimba, I, I can't, it's a young lady who was pardoned by Clinton, President Clinton, President of the United States Clinton pardoned her. Yeah. And she went to Hampton. And it was like the drug trade down 95 and 13 was severe and real. So it was like it, it carried, it followed my generation up until we became adults,
0: that crack era was a
1: motherfucker. It was horrible, boy. but and you forget before crack, it was what heroin. Yeah, so and it's back to that. Yeah, it's, it's back, back to, to the opiates. Yeah, it's back. It's, it's the Xannies, Xannies, the, um, the, 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 the,
0: the, the um, the fucking what's the shit they be drinking? Promethazine, promethazine codeine. Yeah,
1: codeine. um, I I literally, I saw in the last year and a half a zan a, a zanny high. Like the Zanny high is wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That like, shit is nuts. I yeah. know. I hang
1: with dudes. To do I that got shit. clients. I'm like, damn, my nigga. Like, it's, you don't have no. I'm on Zan, Yeah. Bro. You don't. Yeah. Same, looking like a zombie. Literally like a zombie. Like, like literally like almost. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. But then they got on the gear. Um, the shorties is with it, mm-hmm. and Katz is on the gram. Yo, I, I'm looking at the gram in the surveillance state, and I'm like, yo. Somebody in the hood, because I talked. Listen, I, I, I'm friends with, um, a, a lot of good dudes who've been through some serious situations. My man Eighty, um, I've spoken to we Tut several to 80. times. Eighty is my is a very good friend of mine. Tut, I like that guy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a few. My man Bat, Cuz, like I talk. My man Moose. I talk to guys, and the real gangsters. They're not big up that nonsense because they know how it ripped through the family ripped through the community how you know real talk you know they they seen how it changed their lives i,
0: I, I never promote that shit i told dude the um i forgot what i told. I said i said yeah i say i said yeah you keep popping xanies you gonna end up sucking a dick for real though and i i said it in that sense that sense because i'm like everything is no home on pause the niggas so if i tell you that you should just want to leave that shit alone you know what I mean? Right. Cause it's that serious. Like it gets so bad, and the thing is now is that they pump it through the community, through the pharmaceutical companies. You know what I mean? So now instead of um uh, instead of a, a a a Frank Matthews or a, um um Frank Lucas, Lucas. bringing heroin from. You know, they're they giving it right to you. Is giving yeah, it to you. The corporations is giving and, and it to
1: music, you. Yeah, the corporations is giving it to you. And the music is justifying it. Yeah, the music is selling it. The yeah. music
0: is like, it's the marketing for it in Yo, the community. Yes. And motherfuckers are sitting there getting high off mad shit. Like, this is dope fiend shit. Like, yes. that's Joe Button shit. Like, that's like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, you're that's, not supposed not to,
1: that's not fly. That's, that's not fly. That's never been that's fly. That's never been fly. Like, growing up, you know, cats started doing wool. Like, wool. cats was doing woolers in my time. Yeah. And for my little section of dudes, we was like, nah, I'm like that's not, yo, son, that's not, yo, what you doing? And Yeah, I know that,
0: I know my pops was smoking them shits, cause I smelled that shit in the car one yeah, day. You'll I never
1: forget. I didn't
0: know I didn't know what it was. I smelled that smell ten years later. and a nigga told me he had coke in his weed and I knew that that's what my pops was smoking that day.
1: Real talk. And that you, shit came I was like, like instantly. Yeah, and he and and no one's telling the truth of what's really going on, cause yo, in court, I'll be very honest with you, man. Like, our people are very misinformed or uninformed, or or just I, I maybe that's not even a word, not informed at all, mm-hmm. um, about what's really going on and how it affects the the, the drug culture in prison. And you have dudes, I, I call it the um, Rikers Bar Association. Next to the federal government, the Rikers Bar Association has the best conviction rate ever because dudes get locked up Mm -hmm. and they get in this environment of being locked up and confined and being a a part of of mass incarceration. And the intellect that flows through and the information gathering is is zero next to none. So their decision you get you got dudes who, because of circumstances, they don't know what a good decision looks like. And then they get into that mass incarceration street culture space and they they they're almost caricatures of themselves. Like they get so far from who they really are that trying to counsel them is a very difficult job. It's not easy. Now, the white attorney who doesn't really give a shit, who just wants money, is very easy for him because he's going to charge you. You're going to pay. He's gonna tell you what you should do or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And because you don't really believe in yourself, you're gonna nod your head. Someone like myself, who you is 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 not any client out here who's gonna tell me about the street. So when I come along and I'm gonna tell him what the law is, I'm gonna educate him on that, I'm gonna educate his family, and I'm gonna, you know, tell him what his options are, he's not used to that. I might as well be E.T. out this motherfucker. <laughs> Seriously. No, I already know because, <laughs> yeah. you you know, I
0: remember sometimes like a dude to come back and tell me shit that they lawyer said and I would just put my head down because, you know, what happened, you know, what happened with me is that I always was a self-education person. Like, if I don't know what it was, I'm like, I'm gonna go find Figure out what out. this shit is about. Mm-hmm. So like when I started getting in trouble, like the first couple of times that I ever got locked up, I was like. Wait up. This is some shit. I don't even know what the fuck they talking about in court. I don't like the numbers she just said. I want to know what she meant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I just started self educating myself on the street to back inside. Whenever I got locked up, I was educating myself. While I was on the street and I started like, and it was sad because I was like, yo, you become such a great criminal
1: once you start understanding the law. Oh, yeah, listen, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these preachy people who. You know, you born in certain circumstances and and, and capitalism is the name of the day and class. You're going to do whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. to survive and whatever that may be. And it's a book, uh, The Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. He talks about the phenomenon of taking a group of people who have been disenfranchised and beaten up by the world and the big world. And then that world sends them to the smallest location that they can fit all of them in and gives them the least amount of resources. Their nerves, nervous system is going to be not to have it. And the people that they not have it against it's is going other. to be each other. Mm-hmm. And that's been our history here because of what, you know, de facto segregation, a bunch of different things. And it's funny, you know, people always like choices. There are always choices. There is a difference between an autonomous choice in a totally free choice mm-hmm. and just a choice and unfortunately you know we we always looking for that leader because we had such great leaders who've been fighting in the past but what we need to start doing is ideological things we need ideology we don't believe in ideology mm-hmm. we believe in martyrs we need a martyr we need a leader but we don't really believe that because in the back of our mind, we think if we get this leader, oh, he's just going to get killed like the other guy did. Or they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, he's going to get cars, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever. If our ideology, because the thing is, the oppressor and the things that we're fighting, they have money, but it's not really their money that's driving this thing. It's their ideology. It's how they think. It's yeah. their principles. And we have left that. And, we, and until we get that back, it's going to be a revolving door. And it's an ill-revolving door right now. Like we, and I hate to sound like, because, you know, we always seem like we at that moment of of the end. You know, it's almost the end. But it's pretty bad right now. Yeah. It's bad. Like dudes are not, you know, dudes are doing things um, and it's totally affecting it. You got cats who getting jammed up. You got dudes 19 years old, already predicate felons. Yeah. 19.
0: That's a fact. But that you know, I was thinking about that also. You know what I mean? Because I've I've done, I've been locked up as an adolescent. You know what I mean? I've been locked up as an adult, and I've seen kids come in as adolescents that really wasn't like me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when I say like me, you know what I mean? At the time, I was like I was real aggressive and real. You know what I mean? And I could tell these dudes wasn't really like that. They just was outside my got caught, got caught, caught up in trouble. But what happens is this because they so broke. And they can't get out of jail; they have to succumb to whatever's going on, and then they start becoming yeah more and more dumb. Yes, <laughs> dumb. Real more talk. More and more dumb. Absolutely. And then more and more aggressive. Yes, because that's what happens. You start losing intellect. You get dumb and dumber, and then you start becoming aggressive because that's the only way you know how to express yourself. You know what I mean?
1: And, and think about that guy in an environment where you know all these dudes you know, you just go go scroll through the gram and catch timeline, right? So you live in a surveillance state. There's skyboxes, there's dirty boxes where the government, you know, the federal government is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the state government is very powerful, but the federal government, you know, the perfect example, I'm, I'm on the federal CJA panel, Eastern District, I also represent people charged with capital punishment at times, sometimes. You... When you go into the state court is what is it? The people of the United, people of people New York versus, versus Taxstone, Ken Montgomery. Mm-hmm. You go over here to federal land. It's the <laughs> United the States of America versus such and such. Yep. And the surveillance in these Title three cases and in these cases where, first of all, the government only knows what's going on because in our community, people tell. That's just a part of law enforcement. Can you say that one more time? People people tell.
0: Why do, the, why do police know what's going because
1: on? Everyone <laughs> <is telling. laughs> because everyone is telling. Because everyone is They're telling. telling. They're telling on themselves because they. we live in this narcissistic society where you want to get on the gram and although you a swiper, Mm -hmm. And you get free money and you bounce around the country and you get these pieces. Mm. You decide, I'm going to go to the hottest restaurants. I'm going to rent the nicest stuff and I'm going to gram it. I'm going to do it for the gram. I'm going to go on Facebook. Have you seen Instagram affect people's cases? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like absolutely all the time. But you will talk to cats. Nah, la, 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 nah, son. You know, I'm good. Nah, nah, nah. I deleted that. You deleted what? Can't delete nothing. There's a probable. Post on the there's a probable cause application search warrant that's getting face Facebook Zuckerberg. He has you giving all your personal information because he's selling it, yeah. and the government is getting it. So, the, all those deleted Facebook comments from five years ago, they got them. Mm-hmm. Nah, but then dudes get even crazier. Nah, nah, that's not what I meant, son. I might have meant la la la. All right, you know what you meant? Okay, you speaking in code right here, right? Crow, bro, blood, you doing? You speaking mm-hmm. in code? All right, this is what the government is doing. They're taking that sheet, they're compiling it, and then they're giving it to this paralegal over here who and this FBI agent, and they're going to sit down with the informant who is one of you. Yeah, he blood, he cuz, he's going to explain, gonna explain all of explain that and tell them what it is, and then they're going to come up with a flow sheet and chart, and then they're going to give it to all of their assistants who grew up in Westchester and Rockland and wherever the other uh, the 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 nice side of Chicago, and they're going to know your codes too. Mm-hmm. So we're t- like we have you know they're there so if you notice there's a trend going on you don't really hear about the mob getting locked up right yeah i haven't there was I, I one there year. was a recent case uh, last that? week that's old that's that old guy old from case. lufanza yeah. <laughs> but think about that this is the cultural effect of where we're at and we don't want to accept it mm-hmm. being a mobster an italian mobster in america it's sorta of romantic mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it's like glorified. He, he's going to get the benefit of white privilege and reasonable doubt those guys noticed something they said whoa the government we can't fight these guys like that we got to get low and get money you know what no killing but let's get money because they are not on us Mm -hmm. there's no profile for us and that's what they did and you know what america did because you always have to if you're any uh, politician republican or democrat you have to say you're tough on crime what scares the bejesus out of everybody even bougie black people Black guys, Hispanic guys who do crime. And wow, you got these gangs out here. You got these rappers and singers who blood and crip. Mm-hmm. They blood and crip. Oh, this gang stuff is serious, honey. Wow. So, you pull in these gang. You, you see, what you're starting to see is all these gang, federal gang takedowns and especially narcotic takedowns of black Hispanic gang bangers because that when you look in the paper, that scares everybody. Mm-hmm. And dudes don't even have any money. A lot of these guys. That's the sad shit that these dudes is catching the same charges that yes. Gotti caught. Yes, and don't have don't not have a cent. Any, but but this is what they. This is where they're worst at. And this is another fact. I want people to research how many times the federal death penalty statute has been sought by the US Attorney's office in southern or eastern and see how many times they sorted against some black guys and hispanic guys and how many times they sorted against an italian mobster who's killed hundreds and what happens is the the young black and hispanic guys they are funneled through this system a lot of them have been dumbed down like you said They don't know what's going on. They have no family. There is no bell pay. There is no El Chapo dreams. Mm -hmm. And these guys get in the federal system, and they are in Alice in Wonderland. And they don't even understand the serious... Yo, listen, the federal government, they'll bring you up, and anyone who's been in federal custody, when you come out, your your holding cell is right next to the judge's courtroom. They'll bug the holding cell and bring up one of your homies, and y'all get to talking... (laughs) And then you go to trial in the next year, and then they have the wiretap for what you was talking about. So anyone, like for me, I, I've had guys, you know, when you go to Rikers, and you 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 can, I'm sure you can testify to this, when you jump on the phone, this phone call is recorded. That's a
0: fact. And they say it, and you know, motherfuckers act like they don't hear that they shit. They don't hear it. I'm going to share a story with y'all, because my homegirl just beat her case. Mm. Um. Um, I caught a I caught a case and she worked at the hospital that the victim went to. Mm-hmm. So I asked her over the phone to check yeah, to check the records <laughs> or some shit. You know what I mean? And I didn't say much, but mm. that was enough. That was enough. So she went, she checked the records. They seen her log in on the computer. She checked the records. And then they also seen that she came to visit me. You know what I mean? After they, see that, your,
1: they see your visitor log.
0: Yeah, they see my visitor log. And there you go right there. That was it. Done. She went to jail. Yeah. I got I got charged, got recharged. I forgot what they call computer trespassing. I never they, heard of that yeah, shit. Yeah, Yep. It's called computer trespass, yes, and I caught a, that case. That's an actual charge. Yeah, it is. I and was you, like, "What the fuck and is you, this?" <laughs> Lucky
1: it ain't. It, it's possible they could have stretched it to intimidating a witness if yeah. somebody would have reached out to somebody. Mm-hmm. But they those phone calls from the moment you in, they are. Oh, I got that
0: too. It's yeah. like actually in the newspaper. Like I just I Google myself the other day. I said they got this shit up here. Like because you know the case I caught, I told the prior. I was like, "Yo, man, tell a motherfucker." I give him 10 racks, man. Like, yo, I, yo, it ain't even that
1: serious. And he tried and motherfucker got him locked up, set up, yo, police like. Yo, they, they, I've seen everything from, one, being in trouble growing up and having friends who got into a lot more serious trouble than I have. I had to forego, I had a scholarship to the University of Michigan Law School, which was the number 10 law school at the time. Mm. I ended up going to Fordham Law. Um, where I actually teach as a uh, I teach trial advocacy there, and then I end up going to Brooklyn district attorney's office. It was one of the most enlightening times of my life to see um, what goes in um, prosecution and I don't think people understand that and I, and I think if if our community was really aware of how tied, and connected this thing is i think we will make better decisions because we we're ref- we're refusing to embrace information like we you know we got this thing where cats call you a hater because you question shit <laughs> like that's ridiculous like literally i'm a yeah. hater because i don't like that shit
0: yeah yeah
1: I'm, I'm i'm
0: a lot of i'm a lot of haters out here that, they call me a lot of that <laughs> that's crazy
1: though but that's that's crazy because yo listen you, you you trace your history you're not a christian you ain't even Muslim. If you really study Islam, like Islam helps set up Christianity. You exploit black people through the Atlantic slave trade. So be a critical thinker. Mm. But we afraid the critical think, because I think when we start critically thinking, it becomes overwhelming how difficult and what a pickle we in. Because you know we've had our own exploit us. Mm-hmm. And they're still exploiting us. We still got, you know, pimping ain't easy. There's still a lot of pimps in a lot of different places. Yeah
0: yeah just not pimping hoes no, they,
1: they just pimping they pimping each other like listen the music industry is full of it the legal industry is full of it you know um media like we we have to get to the point where we value information and we ain't really value that shit yet we still cool with you know popularity i guess mm-hmm. and that's killing us you you represented rock from to skeleton. yes Yes. He caught his murder. Yes. He had a murder charge. Uh he was accused of sh- of shooting someone and paralyzing him. Um uh, they tried to get in his lyrics for his for, for Oh they they did? Yeah. They uh Kyle Reeves is a DA. Kyle Reeves was a DA who was in Brooklyn, who was since in the Staten Island DA's office. Um it was against him. It was if I this is all off memory, it was before Judge Goldberg. Um, who's retiring soon, but it give you a fair shot. Not a lot of judges that give you a fair shot. If mm-hmm. people out there on the state side, Goldberg will give you a fair shot. It's a judge in Queens. Latella will give you a fair shot. Bloomfell, fair shot. Lewis, Gary in Brooklyn. Um, judge, you know, it's a few judges who give you a fair shot. How about Judge Domingo? That's one of my good friends. Judge yes. Domingo <laughs> Judge Domingo I have my first She's on hot bench now She has a show She's not yeah. a judge anymore Yeah you know? she needed a show yeah. Yo <laughs> Judge Domingo You're yo a maniac Shout out to Judge Domingo yo, yo, You ain't never put me away yo, she's, you, you put yo, a couple yo, niggas away yo, I know. Listen, listen You come to her court And you late <sighs> She'll call you the car Yo where you Where yo, you got a metro car Where your metro car at Call your mother Yo what's your mother's number Right there on the bench. Now, me and Domingo are good friends. Um, I tried my first felony trial as a prosecutor before Judge Domingo. It was a guy by the name of Bloody Watts who had promoted prostitution and pushed a young lady into prostitution over there near Brookline. Oh, shit. That's my friend. in 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 the track.
0: That's my homeboy.
1: He's born in the same—he's born July 17th. That's my homie. Like, I know him. Seriously. I know him, and he he, he got caught by Sergeant Anthony Miranda. He did 12 for that or something. Yeah, I was a prosecutor on that case. Wow. You and prosecuted him? I prosecuted him on wow. that case. I was in the gang unit in the Brooklyn DA's office at the time, and I prosecuted Bloody Watt. Uh, don't say and, his name. No, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's really what no that's him we're gonna block that out yeah (laughs) but nah but Judge Domingo was the judge on that case yo yeah Judge Domingo you know what Judge Domingo is a very good person um but depending on what you did and how she feel that day Mm. she would jam you up and if you didn't have a good attorney you was in some trouble Mm. And now she getting money. She's uh she's with Judge, you know, Judge Judy, executive produced a show. No, she
0: needed a show. Yeah, she needed a show. The first time I ever went in her courtroom, yeah. one of my homeboys, like, he's not even no street dude like that. I think he got into like a I don't know, what the fuck did I got locked up for? Some bullshit, yeah, like yeah. some regular bullshit, and he was in her courtroom, and I seen how she was handling dudes, and I was like, "Yo, yeah,
1: nah, you ain't want, you didn't want her on your back, man." Like I she, was like, "Thank God, yeah, yeah. I ain't never been nah, in this see, woman room nah, like me." That's one of my. I I don't call many judges friends. She's a mm-hmm. good friend of mine. Good lady. <laughs> I'm glad she off the bench. <laughs> Domingo glad. was not nah, playing. Every, everybody in Brooklyn know who she is, man.
0: You better know who Judge Domingo is. Yeah. No, nah, I you better. It's good if you it's bright better if you don't know nah, who Judge e- Domingo exactly, is.
1: Exactly, yo. I seen her jam some guys up, man. And, and and honestly, I would feel bad for guys because there's a fine line in like she was scared dudes into pleading. And if you didn't have a strong That's a attorney, fact. yeah, you, I witnessed that. I ain't like that. Yeah, And i will be very honest. I I didn't like that. Yeah, if you didn't have a strong attorney, you would be in trouble. Yeah,
0: I witnessed that. I literally Me witnessed too. her. Like, I I seen a dude cop out of his arraignment. I think. Yeah, that was like the craziest. That matter of fact, that was the first time I ever seen that. Yo, she. I seen somebody cop out of arraignment to like a bid, like yeah. five years or something.
1: Yo, she was ill.
0: I was like, yo, I don't. Yo, I'd never forget that.
1: I I've seen a lot.
0: She you know? definitely made a dude cop out of his arraignment. He yeah. coped after five years. I said he ain't even try to fight
1: like yeah. nothing. Just but what made her people like her also is she knew how to assess a case. Mm-hmm. You know, you you want a judge who knows how to assess a case, and she knew how to assess a case. And I and uh, but Judge Mango, Pat DeMango is is a interesting lady. I like I like Pat. Hope her show does well, so she don't come back to the bench. <laughs> yeah, yo,
0: make sure, <laughs> but Watch her show, because if she cut back, everybody going to jail. <laughs> because she's gonna be mad, very mad. Because I seen her when she mad in that courtroom. Nah, yeah, she nah, she's an uh, ill she's an old lady. You see her emotions pouring from that bench. I'm like, nah, something just went on at home, and, and she's She'll give you a chance.
1: Out. She'll give you a chance too. But if you <laughs> screw it up, it's a wrap.
0: You represented Bobby Schmerder also.
1: I did. I did. What's, can you speak about his case? Um, I won't. I don't think that's fair to him um, and his attorney-client privilege. What I what I will say is I I don't think the mass incarceration needs another occupant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone who's representing him and really cares about you you got to see the forest for the trees. And I think the first thing you do is go through the evidence, and I think you see what's possible. And you make a determination and give him all the information, all the necessary information. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about our community sometimes is we just want good news. Sometimes there is no good news. Mm -hmm. What you want is all the information so you can make a well-informed decision. And Mm -hmm. I think anyone who's representing him and they're not just in it for a buck or publicity, I think this young man will come out and he'll still be young. And he still have an ability to take care of himself and family, and he will still have fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the evaluation process that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. And I wish him the best. You know, I, it's no. You know, I don't. I don't. Look Why did he decide to change lawyers so um,
0: like late, especially I, I, close to trial and I,
1: shit? I don't. I don't. I can't answer that. Um, I don't know. To be honest with you. Because when I read that shit in the paper,
0: I'm like, why the hell would you get rid of Montgomery?
1: I I mean, everybody don't, you know, everything ain't for everybody. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. But I I still hope, you know, I I think there's an opportunity for this young man to move on and not let this define his life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the the key to this thing. You know, there's 20 something of these guys are almost to it. Who, who are facing these charges and special narcotics. They move like, uh, most investigative, uh, agencies, which is they move on Intel and information and they, you know, search, they get search warrants and they record conversations and they do things like that. So you got to really understand what the evidence is against you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's really, really what it is. What's your take on the, um, the hip hop police? Oh man. Um, we coin tell pro ourselves. We talk about, you know, yeah. everything and we leave it out there for them. Um, you got dudes who come home. You know, the extortion game is a game. You know, you got dudes in hip hop who come home from that environment, in the jail environment. And like I said, everybody telling. And it's cats in hip hop telling. Mm-hmm. Like how many times you go on the gram and you see a dude who you know don't got a job. You know he probably pushed some weed or pushed some pills or something. And he in all the pictures with the most popular rappers. Mm. And he's always there. And that's how they picking him apart. <laughs> and everybody mess with the same shorties.
0: Y'all keep telling me niggas, man. Like, ain't
1: nobody want to get out of their comfort zone and, and, and yep. get with another young lady. They all go and they get with the same circles. And they uh-huh. do the same stuff. And they hang out at the same places. No, listen, if you ain't do your homework on Cointel, Cointel Pro, then you ain't really out here because they own it like that. Mm-hmm. And and they get that information and they disseminate it through the ranks and through the gang mm-hmm. intel might send it to narcotics. Narcotics might get it, send it to a gang. The intel at one police plaza might have a whole, whole database of it all. Mm-hmm. The o- OCCB Bureau, they may share and they share and disseminate that information. And... um. You know, it's not like the mob. With the mob, you know, you had brothers and cousins who was on the force and told you license plates, numbers, and this information, that information. Nobody's really losing their job, and I and, and this is not to offend anybody, but over nigger information. Yeah, and that information spreads, and people want to make cases, and um, I, I blame our community, man. We we selling everything. When you sell everything, then you keep nothing. And that's up to us. Wow! Real talk, like the the intel, the gang intelligence, and and the intel and NYPD, they work with different task force, ATF, DEA, FBI. They all share information. U.S. Attorneys check with prosecutors prosecutors check with us attorneys Mm -hmm. this agent he may have you on a state case but he know if he brings it on the state with the laws and and a good attorney you might beat it so So then he goes across the street to the feds Mm -hmm. and the feds indict you because the federal laws are totally different than the state laws we i wanted to talk about that because i remember reading
0: um a case before and it was like the feds, like I knew about, I knew the case, so I knew the, what the like what everything was about. So when I was like reading it, and it was like the feds, like actually just made up whatever they wanted to make up with what what they said, like how you said the code words, they made them shits. Yeah. It couldn't have been no informant that to told them no,
1: that, no, because it wasn't real. Listen, this, and this is what I tell you: the 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 state. All right, on the state level, um, I walk out here right now. I go outside. Some cats see me. They want to knock me over my head, try to rob me. They do whatever things happen. I might get shot. I might get cut. They get me. Uh, It may take however long for me to call the cops and they come. Cops come. They got what they got Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they got to take this to a D.A. and try to figure out how to make this case against me on the federal level. They don't move like that. They are proactive. Most of these federal agents are accountant degrees or law degrees. Talking about the cop has an accountant or a law degree with a gun. Um, They are proactive. So they get the intel and they get the information and they decide how to start a case. And they start that case through informants, through surveillance, through um, intel, however much intel they can get through observation. And then they go back to the U.S. attorney and they say, look, this is what we got. And the U.S. attorney says, well, you know what? It's kind of shaky. You know what? Maybe we should do this. And talk to this informant. Talk to this. Do this. Go back out there. And then three months pass. And then three months come with a whole new list of things that they've done. And they look at the penal. They look at the code, the federal code. And they say, yo, we got him. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they get an indictment. And they bring the case. And before they even bring the case, they might have already gotten two to three co-conspirators or cooperators. And they're like, yo, there's a reason why there's a 92, 93, 94 conviction rate, because mm. it's proactive. They're building their cases. And when they build those cases, and you got to understand the federal code, the feds can come, you can you can fight your state case for about two years, you got dudes in Rikers right now. Been fighting this. They think they getting away. Yo, the witness ain't showing. Yo, man, I ah, got him. Yo, I'm going home, son. Yo, your lawyer putting that 30-30. Yo, word, word, word. And then feds coming pick they go ass to up. <laughs> they go to court, and the state says, "Yeah, Your Honor, we're going to dismiss on these charges." And the feds is coming to pick your ass up. Mm-hmm. You got a you got a federal hold. Yep, And the feds come and grab you and you're like, wait, wait, double jeopardy. Yo, what you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. Yo, la, la, la. Nah, you went, you went, you in the big, you made it to the big time. Now mm-hmm. you made it to the college of crime, which is what the feds are. Because I had real gangsters tell me like Ken, man, he's like, yo, man, I, you know, in, in state jail, I was a gladiator. He's like, yo, I got to this federal thing. He's like, yo, there's dudes in there from Guam. From Panama. From Russia. there's animals. This guy nice with his knife game. This guy nice with his pipe game. This guy a martial artist. This guy do this, that, that. And then you get in the feds, you know, states stay with different states. And different states have different... I guess, uh, reputations. It's not too much blood and crip. Nah. It's, it's small. Where yeah, you from? from. black, yeah, white, Detroit, Spanish. Yes, Detroit. D.C. and gay. D.C. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you funny, yo. Oh, you, know, you funny. You know, funny. The, you know the gay dudes in D.C. run <laughs> deep funny. in the feds. You, you funny. It's it's, you know it's a it. lot of... shout out to all the gay niggas yeah. in D.C. I ain't got no
1: beef with y'all. No, no. niggas it's, 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 is tough. It's, no. you, you, when you stay out here, you see what's going on. And, um, But is
0: that true? Like, do, do you ever hear that before?
1: Yeah, I have heard that. All right. I'm just making sure. Nah, I've, I've said
0: it to people, that. and people be that. thinking I'm joking. I'm, sure, I'm
1: sure that's not true with all of them. But yeah. yes, I've heard that. Yeah, I've it's
0: not that. a myth, because I've heard this from dudes in L.A., yeah.
1: no, everywhere. I, I've, <laughs> like, I've heard that. Them the, D.C. cats, man. No, I heard that. And the the, the Detroit cats stick together. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of them. You know, it's, it's, a, it's yeah, a. They do that everywhere, because I yeah. sold crack in a couple towns. Detroit niggas are saying, you know, we got beef. No, this. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, yo. it's 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 really like that. And the federal people don't understand. You know, Hobbs Act uh, robberies. Um, the 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 federal statutes are, are are much different than the state penal law, mm-hmm. and you need to know the difference. Yeah, it's definitely a difference, man. It's a huge. Difference. I don't know
0: all the differences, but I'm gonna tell you this. I know it's enough difference to know I don't want nothing to do with Listen, that.
1: Listen, in the feds, if you just have a gun, is the difference. In, in the exposure to time than if you brandish a gun, than if you point a gun, to discharge than if you gun? discharge a gun. Wow. It's all differences. And if, you know, what the Sentencing Commission has done, and which it's, you know, and it's a lot going on now because people think that the federal sentencing guidelines are going to change drastically. In my opinion, I don't think they're going to change drastically. I think the federal sentencing guidelines are there for a reason. These mandatory minimums are there Imagine if there was no mandatory minimums. Do you think you have as many cooperators? Mm. If, you know, if if you didn't if this was not this high amount of jail that you was exposed to, maybe people wouldn't cooperate. So I don't think they can get rid of the mandatory minimums. Mm. I think that's there for a purpose. And when you get a jail dude and you go through his sentencing guideline and you go through this chart and then you go through his criminal history. And what category and level he is, yo guys are like, hold on, wait a minute, yo, I can get two hundred and something months because (laughs) it's it's you know Booker you know uh, came out and in a a, a litany of cases came afterwards that showed that you know the guidelines were unconstitutional, but the federal judges don't have to abide by them; they're not mandatory, but they're advisory. Mm -hmm. But all the federal judges. They still go by them, and they go by where you are on the chart, and they go by what this U.S. attorney suggests. U.S. attorneys are very powerful. Mm. State prosecutors have power; they don't have power like the federal U.S. attorneys do. And the feds is totally different. Oh, I know. Totally I've different. Seen, I've seen dudes. Nah, it's it, it'll change your entire life. Um, it's a from a legal standpoint. A lot of lawyers don't like the federal system because it's so many cooperators and you don't have a shot in a lot of regards because you don't normally get to talk to the jurors. A part of being a good trial attorney is being able to say, whoa, let me ask you, juror number one, Ms. Thompson, you said you were uh, you grew up here and you did. uh, Let me ask you. You get to see what Ms. Thompson says on a federal level. You know what you do? you write a sentence of what you want to ask Ms. Thompson and you give it to Judge A. And Judge say, oh, I don't think that question is appropriate. I'm not going to ask her that. And so you never get to speak to your jurors. Mm. And then on a federal level, when it's time for summations, the prosecutor goes first, the U.S. attorney goes first, the defense attorney goes next, and then the prosecutor has a rebuttal. And your your summation is sandwiched in The government's two arguments and the federal agent sits at the desk the entire time. So whatever holes that you've poked through the government's case, they call him last to repair those holes on rebuttal. And that's what it is. It's horrible system. But wow you, but you gotta you know you gotta, and that's why you can't beat the fans <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's tough you can beat them yeah. but it's it's a type of case mm-hmm. it's a type of case and um, what type do you think i think the cases that are similar to state cases where you have a lot of cooperators mm-hmm. where and the reason why and i and i don't not to offend people but from a from a cultural standpoint when you have a lot of cooperators depending on who the cooperators are and what they look like then you have jurors who say Yo, i don't like I don't like these niggas anyway. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. He's a liar, he's a liar. Yeah. So I don't believe these guys. He's a murderer yeah, too. Yeah, he's a murderer too, and I don't believe him. Yeah. Um, but is it there's a spin to that because as a as a as a prosecutor, when I was a prosecutor, when I, I, I dealt with a lot of gang cases, you know, you gotta explain to jurors who else gonna know this crazy stuff but somebody who was in the crazy. You know, and people are layered. So you have to be able to determine credible and reliable information regardless. And then you start getting into the testimony. You know, that that's really ultimately what it is. People forget testimony is evidence. Mm. You have dudes tell you, yo, man, that ain't evidence. Nah, that is. Whatever does is not objected to and sustained that comes out of the testimony, that testimony is evidence. Mm. You know, people have, you know, everybody, we live in America, everybody watching Law and Order and... Judge Judy and Hot Bench or whatever these legal shows, everyone is this, you know, expert on the law and they don't know the nuances with that thing. And and you, you can beat federal cases. I think when you have a lot of cooperator testimony, I think that's when you have your best shot. When you have a lot of agents, when you have a lot of civilian professionals um, to explain paperwork, I mm-hmm. think you have problems. Yeah think you have problems. I always
0: said that too, like watching cases when I start seeing too many experts start piling in, I'm like, nah, you have ah, you're yeah. trying to explain yeah, listen, some shit that I, ain't there. I,
1: I tried a case, and this is my first federal trial. Um, I think it was early t- 2001 through 2003. I don't know. It wasn't 2000. 2002 to 2003 or 4 I'm not sure. But I represented a young lady from Birawa, uh Africa, Ghana, who was charged on the very last day of the statute of Limitations was to run, John Ashcroft charged her. She was used as a poster child by Gloria Steinem and Hillary Clinton and all these now and women's organizations because um, our defense was that she fled Birua because of fear of female genital mutilation. You know, mm. this was something that was practiced in some rural areas of Africa. Yeah. So, you know, we're thinking, listen, this is a you charge on the last day we went to trial. It was almost like coming to America. They brought the King of Biroa over. He had the fly swatter thing. He was educated at NYU or Columbia, <laughs> but he spoke uh Shwee. So he had an interpreter, which there's a tool. If you're a defense attorney and you're a prosecutor and you have someone who speaks English, but they speak another English, uh, another language, the, prosecutor may use the other language because if the person speaks English if you're cross-examining them they understand you so if they're only responding in their la- their native language it gives them extra time yeah, yeah, yeah. to deal with your answer and this is what was going on and I was like wow the government spent upwards to probably a million dollars prosecuting that case and that's the thing on the federal there is there they have an unlimited amount of funds
0: oh that's
1: another reason why you yeah. can't smash them. Yeah, they have an unlimited amount is of funds. Is it true?
0: You know what I've always noticed with, like, federal cases? They seem to attack your money.
1: Yeah, they want that is money. Is that how they cripple you? They cripple you through that, through forfeiture. Um, if they can associate the money laundering charges to your, your enterprise, um, they got you. And yeah. it what's crazy is they're charging a lot of cats from... Um, from the neighborhoods who are not making any money.
0: They're not making no money. Nah. That's what, that's just fucking me up. I'm reading these cases and I'm like, and people don't understand why I'm so mad when I'm reading it because I'm like, yo, you're not understanding. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to get that. This is for dudes that got millions, like not for the dude that got $8,000. Like, just to
1: make a point, the mobsters are old now and you know, you gotta think uh, where we're going as a world with how expensive this world is becoming and gentrification and you know, you have people, you go to East New York and Brownsville, you got mm-hmm. hipsters living out, out there. And I to say don't come hipsters, but that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And if you want these hipsters to continue, they have to feel like they're not going to get their shit ran in. Yeah. <laughs> and they can get in the train station without getting their pockets tapped. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You let them know the rule of law is strong. And that's what that's about. Because it's not about money. Like, listen... A neighborhood is not an enterprise Mm -hmm. because a lot of these kids, you get your work from this A, he don't got no work. You go over here, you get work from him. You go over here, you get work from him. Your cousin knows somebody who la 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 And that turns into a conspiracy charge. And and that's not really what conspiracy was intended for. Conspiracy actually... the fuck I keep saying? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like... Motherfuckers,
0: you getting in conspiracy charges cases in your code D? You don't even you got beef with the yeah. nigga.
1: But let me t- let me explain to you how conspiracy works. It's like a spoke. It's like a wheel on, on a bike. As long as they can come up with that nucleus and understanding of what the conspiracy is, each spoke they don't have to know each other. And mm. people always like yo, I don't even know this They don't have to. They just have to get you contributing to that conspiracy and even your act in the conspiracy, it doesn't even have to be criminal you could just be the guy who gets all the rental cars Yo, these
0: dudes dudes don't listen to me, I'm just so glad I had you today Mm -hmm. man I'm just so glad. Yo, listen. I just had this discussion yeah. with somebody. Yo,
1: you don't need to do anything illegal to be a part of a conspiracy. Nothing. All
0: you got to do is be in a picture. Man. So people say shit like, yo, Tex, why are you always acting funny with taking pictures with dudes? Because I, I don't want to inherit your case nah, or your beef.
1: Yo, I've seen, I've I, uh, my shout out to Elijah Green, um, another good friend. Um, I'm mad that I had to represent him, but it was accused of something that he didn't even do. And it was because he was in a picture with somebody. Wow. But that was't conspiracy. that was just someone just lined him up and it wasn't even him. It was in the post they they posted it. but you know it got to be more than a picture. it has to be some overt it' got to be some conduct that they use but it's very very slight it's it's not that much you know you people don't understand that and like we need a cultural renaissance in our neighborhoods because unfortunately the women. The, the the little guys, we only like the lights and camera bullshit. So the people who have some influence, they need to be honest and tell the truth. If those people start being honest and telling the truth mm-hmm. instead of these corny ass war stories and nonsense, maybe things will change on that side. But we our approach culturally to what this is, we have become complicit in it. And that's why we just keep getting jammed up. Because I can do other shit. I know how to negotiate a contract. I can um, I could do other things. I can do mentoring. I can get in the hood and give some information. I can help the old ladies not get kicked out of their house mm-hmm. and not get their cribs taken away. I don't need to do criminal. I just happen to be really good at it.
0: Mm-hmm. What made you get in the criminal law? Because you was a district attorney first.
1: Oh, I I, I wanted to come out. My goal, my goal was... Um, I always wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. I always wanted to fight the system. Mm -hmm. When I got to law school, you know, as I told you, I was on probation in in, uh, law school, Mm -hmm. and my professor, James Cohen, one of the smartest guys around, uh, I did a a trial competition, and he was like, yo, you have a special skill. You should go somewhere that's rigid, that you have to test yourself. Mm And he's the person who had me geared towards going to prosecution. I was going to try to go to Neighborhood Defender Services of Harlem or um, some other, you know, maybe work for a organized crime attorney or someone like that to get to earn some things. And uh, I ended up going to the prosecutor's office because I wanted to learn the other side. Mm. And I did very well as a prosecutor because, you know. You know, it, it was it was almost like the prosecutor's office had a they had a ringer. They had someone like me who knew I was from Brooklyn. I knew the street. I knew guys. And I came in there and I knew I wasn't one of these people who, you know, I was proud to be a prosecutor locking black people and Hispanic people up. I honestly, if it wasn't violence, I ain't really give a shit. I would give you this this store, the drugs, the nonsense. I would get rid of all that stuff. I would focus on the violent stuff. And I knew how to talk to jurors. I knew how to reach jurors that my colleagues couldn't. and um I did very well. They wanted me to stay, but they you know when institutions institutions play with you, if you're not focused, they'll they'll take a carrot and they'll put a carrot in front of you. Mm. when you try to grab it, they'll pull it a little bit, and they pull it and they pull it. Then you see your colleagues who are not as skilled as you or no more skilled than you, not getting any carrots, just getting opportunity. And you see who's making the policy from a law enforcement standpoint. And you're like, hold on, I don't really see anyone who looks like me up there. There's no representation. So for me, I was like, let me get what I need, and I'm out of here. And I got what I needed, and I got out of there. And I never looked back, never regretted it. It was a great experience. Um, I understand the politics that go into play in prosecution, how certain judges... Are you know the problem with the law enforcement system in general is that most of these judges, whether it's federal, most federal judges are former U.S. attorneys. Most state judges are either prosecutors or legal aid. But some of the ones who are legal aid are kind of more uh, stringent and pro-prosecution than the than the prosecutorial judges. But all these people come from the same space. And although they're supposed to judge it down the line, they don't. Yeah. And I got an opportunity to see how that works, to see what the relationships are. You know, because you have a prosecutor tell you they're doing God's work. Do you know what God looked like? <laughs> God ain't make this up. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, they, and they come at you. It's almost wild how they come at prosecuting people. And you get to see their racial Biases and their class biases shine through their policies, mm. and I wanted no parts of that. I was spooked by the door, and I got out of there. And mm-hmm. it was it was the best experience in the world, and it's over. What, what's your what is what is your take on legal aids? This is and I'm gonna be honest. You have some legal aids who are brilliant who get busy,
0: and I can agree. And I, I've told people this also. Yeah, big. big I've, get, I've met some. Yo, but...
1: get busy. Because this is what people don't understand. They think legal aid people do it for money. A lot of those legal aid lawyers are trust fund kids. They're not doing it for money. Mm-hmm. Their family got money already. Mm-hmm. A lot of them believe what they're doing, and they're good at it. And then you have some who are horrible, couldn't try to case out of a wet paper bag. And Then you have private attorneys who get money. Like I'm talking money, like six figure money who are absolutely horrible. <laughs> but they got the name and yeah. they got the they got the complexion and they rocking and dudes is really believe the nonsense. And they go with them and they get ran, They get juxt mm-hmm. and they get sold and they like, damn. And then you have private attorneys. Like the ones I mentioned, the Anthony Ricos and, and even the Mark DeMarcos and Gary Villanueva's, you have these guys who get busy. So it's like you got to really know who you are as a person and you have to value information and you have to be able to assess scenarios to determine whether you I've had people call me and they told me who their legal A lawyer is. and I was like, "Yo, you're good. Mm-hmm. You're fine. And I've had people call me and tell me who they, you know, after they got slayed and they calling me and they had La La La. And I'm like, well, you know, I ain't going to, I'm not going to bad mouth anyone, but hey, you know, mm-hmm. don't come to me with the, with the beans on some Jack and the Beanstalk after you gave this guy, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, you know, a uh, uh, ransom. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it depends on who it is. It depends.
0: That shit is crazy. How do you feel about the, 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 the difference and? In- the
1: Giuliani
0: and Bloomberg era oh, of New man. York City.
1: It's a very subtle difference. I grew up in I didn't say I grew up, I grew up in the Koch, then Dinkins, and then I guess Koch, Dinkins, and Giuliani. I watched Giuliani um holding up watermelons, uh, with the cops protesting Dinkins. I watched Giuliani in his 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 uh he had a he had a hell's kitchen outfit. I'll never forget watching w p i x and watching Giuliani in the hell's kitchen outfit to show um how our communities have been ravaged by heroin cop and heroin you know this is a dude u s mm-hmm. attorney whatever um i know attorneys who've worked with him and i've seen him the political creature that he is and also i think that the 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 racist creature that he is um he represented see in America, you can be a very, you know, there's a lot of educated dummies that get a lot of play in America, and you can be ignorant, you can be racist, but if you're a white male, you, it's still America. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna, you know, you hear people say, oh, you know, I know Julie uh, Trump is an idiot, but you know, hey, he, he speaks his mind. <laughs> That's what people say. <laughs> Giuliani, yeah, yeah, he's an asshole, but yo, yeah, he speaks his mind. Mm-hmm. There's no equivalent of black guy to that. Um, so I looked at Giuliani differently. I looked at I looked at him as he was. He represented a a a the, all the some of the negative things that I found about white males in New York City, and he implemented the policies that we're still suffering from today from a law enforcement standpoint. Where he he co signed them, the stop and frisk and the window dress. You know, the, the windows. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the window it? broken policy? Broken windows. What the fuck is
0: win- broken it's,
1: window policy? It's, it's the policy. It's, it's allowing um, uh, law enforcement to do as they want or what they want with black and Hispanic people mm. and without being questioned. Mm. And that's what it is. And you can they can pretty it up all they want, but that's what it is. Mm. In practice and in, in statistics and in theory, that's what it is. It's the ability to be... Races through law enforcement under the under the law and how it's practiced because you can never legislate someone's heart and it gives these guys, you know, the the energy to do what they want. Bloomberg was a billionaire. And he put his money in the right place. He capitalized on the Giuliani. People don't realize crime in New York was going down under Dinkins. It was going around. It was going down nationally Mm -hmm. for some reason. Giuliani jumped on it. He made us the bad guys. He he um, he he motivated the police Bloomberg Came along at some point and he had this money and by then you know I don't, I don't really like calling it gentrification It's more it's sort of like ethnic cleansing in a lot of ways to me in some regards But if you go on the four corners of the earth, that's the goal. Hey those poor people move them out mm-hmm. Let's make money out of this and Bloomberg, the guy with the money, the guy who wasn't as um, acidic as as uh, Giuliani was, mm-hmm. um, he used that money. He he bought and sold all these pimp preachers in New York, black preachers, and to get a third term, and he got that third term, and he set these policies in that even De Blasio is following, mm-hmm. and um, that is. The trail of capitalism, particularly in New York. You know, you you look around like New York. You drive through Brooklyn. You from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You drive through Brooklyn. It's kind of wild. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of wild. Like it's yeah, kind of wild. Yeah. It's it's um. Yeah. It's different now. It's different. Um, the schools aren't really any better for us. Our kids aren't afforded any more opportunity. But then Bloomberg, he'll do something like get with magic and whoever other uh, black person who's invited to the table he wants to get mm. and all of a sudden he's doing something black empowerment I forget whatever program he's doing and, and what I tell people we don't even need like if we need the government to help us get right we're never going to get right so I don't I don't I don't like or dislike any of them they're just what's people you, what's your thoughts on running for political office never Never. I was in I was in a, I was in an interview at Manhattan DA's office and they asked me that. I think that is good for some people. For me, um, I'm 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 much more effective doing what I'm doing. Um, I think you I think like Stokely Carmichael said, uh, voting is for organizational purposes and we have to use it appropriately. Black people um, have been far too long committed to a party with no results. Mm. Democrats no results. Um uh Clinton get on there and play the saxophone and and you know we we bragging about how he black. Um meanwhile Clinton uh did a sin with mass incarceration, did a sin with the welfare program, did a sin with Patriot Act, did a sin with all kinds of things. Um we are too quick to celebrate and be trendy with it. If we really ever got locally, because locally, what, it, what does it affect? It affects your school system. It affects your policing. It affects your housing. It affects the economic policies in your neighborhood. Right. Four main very important health issues. If you put the right people in from a local standpoint, you will have more control over your day to day. I think, personally, the national politics, I think, is too much on the line. It's, that's like you want to go away for vacation for four years and you say, yo, who want to watch my house? Mm-hmm. You're not going to just let anyone watch your house. Mm-hmm. The, the person who becomes the president of this American empire, which is really a one-party system disguised as a two-party system, um, is chosen. You know, there's been much data, many books, um there's no how many times you watch a national election for president and they know what the winner is um Yeah. For three, four hours before yeah. the polls are even over. Yeah, that's a fact. So it's like I think I've lo- noticed that local politics is where to go. It won't be me. I'm much more concerned about going to Brownsville. During the week and on the weekends and getting up with Nadia Lopez at Mod Hall Bridges and running our mentoring program and giving these kids information and mentoring and getting up in the hood and the communities and the grandmas and the parents to say, yo, let's form a pack. Mm-hmm. How about we form a PAC, a political action committee, and we determine who we are going to put in the office in this neighborhood. And the moment they don't do what they need to do, we get their ass out. Let's yes. do that. Um, I'm not really I'm not running for office because I don't have the. Um, I don't have the respect for what it is. I don't have the respect for the rule of law in that that Mm -hmm. matter. So I know they, you know, the people might want me in, Mm -hmm. but but what I'll be able to do when I get there, that may be a different story. So I'd rather work on the the outside. What's your thoughts on snitching? Do you
0: represent (laughs) clients
1: that have flipped? Um, I'm an attorney absolutely i have mm-hmm. um do I advocate that i don't advocate it or nor do I disdain you know mm-hmm. i am uh i'm not Houdini I'm not a moralist um i prefer not to in a lot of regards because when you get to team America if you're a lawyer it's almost like you you you're not really a lawyer anymore you're an agent for because the your the your client's contract is with Team America. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but I look at it like this. Um, and this is just how I grew up. If a bunch of guys have messed around together and did dastardly things together, it seems as though you guys should you you guys clearly have created some code in in and of itself on your own time. That being said, there is no honor among thieves. Mm-hmm. I've seen killers snitch on people Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the guys who everybody afraid of is Mm -hmm. like oh man and cats are cool with it Mm -hmm. and that guy comes home or he stays in and he still gets his respect Mm -hmm. there's a very small percentage of guys who don't do that and i have a lot of respect for them Mm -hmm. um i seen guys you know the grandmother in her window trying to make sure her grandchild get in the house safely is not snitching if you see you do some dumb shit um. so it's like, you know,
0: I don't, Yeah, I've, I've definitely had that discussion, mm-hmm. I've seen it, I've seen it, a young cat from my hood get locked up and like everybody was like, yo, he's gonna tell, he's gonna tell and it was just something in me that was like, yo, I don't think you're gonna tell mm-hmm. and he didn't tell mm-hmm. and it was just weird because it was like all these other fake tough dudes oh, yeah. that was running around was telling, telling, you yeah. know what I mean? That's,
1: that's always the case, mm-hmm. that's all the case because the tough guys, think about it, no one's gonna question the tough guy who tells and then people be
0: too scared to really to say, Exactly. That he really
1: told There's people who everybody know tell and they say nothing because they oh man, he might send somebody my way.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, I don't I don't um, I try not to judge in the defense attorney position um, because I don't think it's helpful to my client. And at the end of the day, hey, you got to live with how you move. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm never you know, you have some lawyers who are. That's what they do. Like they they do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm known for trying cases. Mm-hmm. Um I'm known for trying cases and uh I guess being honest, I would wanna say. I'm sure I'm I'm known for some other things I might not like as well, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not um you know, there's some lawyers who that's all they do.
0: What was your best case? What would you feel was your your favorite case that you have beaten? Damn. Well, that you have won.
1: You know what's crazy? Every case is to stay humble and to stay a student of this profession. Every case is a new case, man. Like, I only remember the losses. Um, I've gotten, a, I've been fortunate to win a lot of cases as a prosecutor and as a, a defense attorney. I remember the losses, man, mm-hmm. a lot. I remember Vitaly Ivanitsky. That was a case that even the FBI thought I had him. And I had the best jury I've ever. I had four black guys on the jury. I never had that before. Mm-hmm. They had big sneakers and they looked like <laughs> um, sneakerheads. Mm-hmm. And I had a sister on the jury who hated Russian people. And I know this because a couple of months after the verdict, um I I had I had an acquittal of another client of mine for a murder case. Her and that. Client was her nephew. She just happened to be on my jury. And I guess she put two and two together. She popped up at my my office, and this is when I was in Dumbo. Uh she popped up at my office with my client's sister, and she apologized. And she said, Mr. Montgomery, I just want to let you know. Um, she told me the whole deal on what happened. And that, that bothered me. James Al Seed uh was accused of killing a guy named Jukes. Jukes. You know what Jukes mean. Mm-hmm. You know you kill mm-hmm. a guy named Jux It might have been. What might have been. And I, you know, that was a case in front of Judge Reichback. Uh, all right, rest in peace, Judge Reichback. That's a case I never forget. Um, Tanisha Brock, a case that I tried in Brownsville. Young lady, man, going through a lot of stuff. Neighborhood bully trying to tear her up. She pull out a knife and she do, she knew do I knew, she I knew that
0: when you said the name i was like that sound
1: familiar yeah man that that case always bothers me um man i don't have a best case cuz you know what every case you learn something and i'm hard on myself like i i've had cases where people was like wow that was, uh, and you you realize a mistake you made you know so i i'm i'm mm-hmm. on trial now um you know i am I'm, I'm just trying to be as good as i can all the time it's it's a lot to learn cuz you know as an attorney what people understand is a as a black attorney who not who's not in it just for the money. You have a lot of hats you have to wear. You have to educate yourself on the case and what's going on. You have to educate your client. You have to educate your client's family. You have to educate the more importantly the judge sometimes and your adversary. And then you got to educate the jury. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, and um, it 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 requires a lot of discipline, and it requires um, a lot a lot of preparation, and and sometimes just observing you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so especially now since I got into capital work defending people with Anthony Rico and, and Mark DeMarco people charged with the death penalty you know you walk into cases where a guy got four or five bodies maybe ten damn, and you gotta save his life <laughs> you know what I'm saying like is that it, weird for you sometimes? It's very, no it's very the, you know they told me they're my you know Tony Rico is a very important person for me and he told me he said listen you're somebody who tries cases. Does death penalty work, man. Like, you got to understand, like, you know, you're used to winning. You got to redefine what winning is mm. because, you know, a lot of these cases, you know, there is no angle to win them. So to to leave that, you know, is hard, you know, because you got to advocate for life. And and that's that's made me a better attorney when I really understand what a mitigating and an aggravating circumstances, you know, a well, black life in this country, Hispanic life is all mitigating. Mm. You grew up in a hood. You grew up, you know, you grew up under certain circumstances, you know, with the commonality that I find in a lot of those cases are you got cats who were like they never had a shot. You know, you got dudes who were were abused, raped before they were 10, committed suicide a couple of times before they 13 then they just went out the box. Mm. And, and so it's like that's made me a better attorney. Like I'm I'm trying to be a better advocate because a, another part of my job is that I still, you know, I am who I am. So I carry who I am through this, you know, I walk in these courtrooms to many people. I'm still the nigga attorney, mm. you know, and um, I, not that I give a shit, but that's the perception I'm dealing with. So a lot of times you get your client in this culture where your your client is uh, taught street culture and prison culture that doesn't help his family, doesn't help his kids, doesn't put food on the table, but has him out here like this, you kind of have to represent him in a way where he release, he at least, at the end of the day when you're done and your relationship is over with, he at least understands how he got to where he got. Mm-hmm. Because him understanding where he where he got will come some accountability and responsibility which i think a lot of us we 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 light on responsibility and accountability and that's our problem cuz if we was we, if we was on our accountability and responsibility we really wouldn't care what anyone thinks of us and we we would be better decision makers
0: yeah that's always something i i, I like speak highly of like you know listen i own up to whatever i did yeah own up it's nothing and it's like I always tell people it's the best feeling to do it mm-hmm. to
1: own it and and it's it's, it's liberating man that shit yeah. is the feeling and, of freedom and like. yeah and it, it don't mean as an attorney I'm gonna say you know a lot of guys they get caught up in the jail mantra shit and they think damn if I tell my attorney what really happened he won't believe in me no you gotta tell your attorney what happened so you can win your case like, like listen I,
0: dude I, I never forget I caught a case of my father. I said tell him Exactly what the fuck happened. That's how he's gonna beat the case. case. Yeah. Cause he's gonna know which angle to
1: take. You're yo, not li- gonna win by lying to your lawyer. Hell no. Because <laughs> and, and listen, here's the thing. Like, yo, dude, no disrespect to you, but yo, I ain't trying to be your motherfucking friend. <laughs> I don't I'm 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 not trying to be your friend, and I ain't mm-hmm. trying to impress you with no shit. I'm trying to tell you the things you need to know so mm-hmm. you can make the well-informed decision. And here's one I don't give a fuck what you did. Because I'm not playing God over here. Mm. You know, I just need to know. So when they throwing these darts, I know where to move. Mm. Or I know where to put a target. Or I know where to put a decoy at. But if you don't tell me, then that, it, it really hampers. No, a lot of dudes lose their cases They lose like their that. case like that. A Absolutely. A lot of dudes. Because it, think about it. You're not telling the full story. So what... I've had dudes... Eight months today, case telling me that they ain't
0: telling... I'm looking at them like, yo, you serious?
1: No, seriously. No, that's what I mean by the Rikers Island Bar Association. Like, I've seen dudes could get out of something and they get jammed up because they get caught up in this mantra of what they think they're supposed to do. And they go inside. Instead of telling their attorney, they're telling their cellmate. And you know what their cellmate do? I've seen dudes. They've seen their cellmate get on the phone and call his oh, attorney yeah. and say, yo, la, la, la.
0: Yo, I need to get out. Yo, she tell a DA. Yeah, tell the the DA. Tell a DA, I know it he yeah. killed this hamster.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no,
0: seriously, man. No, I know. I've seen it happen. happened in my house before. Damn. Happened in my house in the beacon. Damn sure I seen that. Oh, the beacon is
1: wild. Yeah. Rikers is a Rikers is a, you know, they they right there's a lot going on in Rikers. What do you right think now. of Rikers Island? I think it's um it's unfortunate, man, that when you were in Rikers and you an inmate, what I've noticed is that most of the people who are in charge of handling you are black or Hispanic. And then when you go upstate, those people are less. And it's a very wild dynamic. Like, it's it's so many ill cultures I see in, in, in Rikers. Like, I see female guards fall in love with inmates. Mm-hmm. Regular. Regular. <laughs> I see inmates... You got to
0: think about it. These female guards be their neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these, absolutely. These, these girls be just living in the projects, just moving no, out no, no. after I, they get off probation yo, I,
1: from being a CO. Yo, but so they attracted
0: to this type of person it, already. Yeah.
1: And and the politics in Rikers is very deep because you have, it's it's heavily female populated. Yeah, heavy. But there's these depths that are men sometimes. De- like, it's just this, wow, it's just a very interesting place. And I do see a trend. I see more... Um, white male guards and female guards coming because I think of the economy. Mm. You know, I I think it's a job to get now, but it's, it's yeah. They pay more than upstate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Riker, but Rikers, I think it's a horrible place because of our culture where we at, and and unfortunately, it, it's um, it's it's a you know it's in a bad space because you got the federal government overseeing it right now. Um, you got the young guys coming in who ready to cut and wild out. hmm You got the older guys who trying to still hold on to that last hurrah. And it, it's a bad mix. It's like a horrible cocktail. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie, man. I I, I did time on Rikers, I
0: did time up north. And I remember like people always talking about how wild up north was, and it was wild, you know what I mean? Like behind the wall. But I don't know.
1: Nah, I know I don't know which yeah. one is wild, wild though, no, no more. With me
0: either. Because the last time I was on Rikers for my violation, it went down
1: damn near every day. Every day, nine. and I was like, "Yo, this is like Comstock. Yeah. like this is like Elmira." Yo, all all the jail dudes I know who actually did time, they hate being on Rikers. Yeah, they always trying to go upstate. They trying, They're trying to, to, to get upstate. upstate. They like, I gotta get, get out of here. I, I gotta I get out of here. Seen I seen a dude.
0: No, I seen a dude while I was on violation, a Mac Baller cop out to a murder. Because he kept getting his ass beat everywhere he went. That nigga copped out so he could get the fuck off Rikers, Rikers. man. I believe it. I'm telling you, this dude was only nine months in on a body. I believe it. He got the fuck up out of there because he couldn't take it no more. He said, that motherfucker. Yo, he called me from upstate. And like I like blocked his shit. I didn't want to speak to him because I knew what his ass was doing upstate. (laughs) I said, what the fuck is this nigga doing in Sing Sing? He copped out. Because he was getting his ass beat so much, he copped out to a murder. That's crazy. He probably did it. That's probably why he really yeah. copped out too.
1: But you know what I mean, like nah, But Rikers, for you to cop out to a murder in
0: nine months.
1: Now I know I've had real tough guys say, "Yo, I, I gotta, I, I gotta get out of here. I go, yeah. can't take it." Listen, they smoking K two in Rikers, man. Yeah, that's a, they smoking dust. Yeah, they smoking dust. Dust heavy K two. You know, they, they like, it's a wild scenario up there. Yep, like, shout
0: uh, out to all the hounds from the Bronx smoking man, dust. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yo, Ooh, I don't believe you. in that, but Jesus Christ. That oh,
0: man. Wow. Yo, man, that was tax season, man, with Kenneth Montgomery.
1: Yo, man, I, I thank you for Yo, having me, man. The legendary I'm good my,
0: brother, man. I'm doing my best. Strong tax. black man, Yo, lawyer out here, criminal attorney. If you in the New York City area... Make sure you get Kenneth Montgomery <laughs> Yo, if you want to go I, home. I,
1: I hope you never see me, man, because if you see me, you in a bad situation, man. But mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna tell you what it is. Tell him fight. you heard him
0: on tax season and you get two percent off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you I, I appreciate this, man. I really appreciate thank this. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you for coming. Have a good one, Tax. Thank you, man.
0: Oh. This episode of Tax Season featuring Tax Stone is produced by Jonathan Manor executive produced by Chris Morrow and engineered by none other than Samir Karam.